We are in a series called A Journey Through Luke, and what we're talking about is the book of Luke. And I did want to just make another pitch. If you aren't going to the Tuesday night class uh, with Dr. Metcalf, who just likes to be called Reed, but that doesn't help me because if I have a doctor in the house, I'd like to just show off, okay? And, uh, but he is crushing it. It is so awesome to hear someone who knows what they're talking about, about the historical, political, socioeconomic, uh, if the fancy word for that in seminary is called Sitzenleben. It's a G German phrase meaning just kind of what it was like in the day. It's awesome. So you haven't missed, I mean, you've missed quite a bit, but you can jump in anytime on any Tuesday and uh, be a part of it. So uh, for those who are, are attending that, it, it just has a lot of value. And he's, he's really incredible. And he's not, you know how you, like, you meet some professors and they're kind of stuffy and like, you know, but he's like, he's like ripped and I don't know. He's just, a, it's, a, it's, it's awesome. So uh, uh, do that. I preach in the morning on Sunday mornings, and he teaches on Tuesday nights, and he's doing a really, really great job. So, so don't miss out on that. Uh, so last week, we talked about the idea of Jesus being tempted, and we spent some time in Luke where he was tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and the joke was that after 40 days of fasting, he got hungry, and if it were written for me, it would be after 40 minutes of fasting, he got hungry, right? And so, but Jesus goes through the whole thing, and then we, we kind of married that Luke uh, narrative to, um, uh, to Hebrews, and why it was so important that Jesus was tempted and what it means for us. And uh, I would really encourage you, if you missed that sermon, to go uh, on our website or on the app and, and check it out to get caught up. Uh, because I think it's really important for us to remember that Jesus was human in every way like you and I are. And so he understands what you're going through. You say, John, you don't understand. You don't know my addiction. You don't know this. You don't know that. He does. He does. And he has grace to help you through that. And so now what we're doing is Jesus is now kicking off his ministry. Okay, he's 30 years old. He's been in the town of Nazareth. That's where he grew up. And all of a sudden, he kind of becomes, uh, uh, he, he starts to teach in the synagogue. And so if you think about it like this, you know, let's say there's a, 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 a person, a, a kid who grew up in our church. And all of a sudden, after a long time, you've seen him run around, skateboard, do all the stuff around the campus. Hi, you know, my kids used to hide under these chairs and run around the thing. That My kids are monkeys. So they used to go all crazy, right? And then all of a sudden, that kid is now standing in front, and I'm having him preach, okay? This is what is happening with Jesus. And I want you to see what happens because what we're going to be talking about this morning is this call that Jesus has for everybody. Your pastor, everybody, and it's follow me. And we're going to talk about this morning what the, what the cost of the call is. What the answer to the call is. And we're going to talk about three different groups of people. Those who are just in the routine of Christianity. They are, in this case, uh, Judaism, right? So they're, they're going to the synagogue. And we'll see a lot of language in chapters 4 through 6. When you read the Lucan account of what's going on, you see synagogues and Sabbaths. Synagogues and Sabbaths. The, on, on another Sabbath, on another Sabbath, oh, and Jesus was in this synagogue, and he was in this synagogue, in this synagogue. 
the routine of it all. So we'll start off in Luke uh, chapter 4. We'll end up uh, somewhere uh, uh, late in uh, Luke uh, chapter 5. He went to Nazareth, okay, listen, where he had been brought up. Everybody knew who Jesus was, okay? He's 30 years old now. They know he's a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. If you got to get something, you know, a chair made or whatever, you go, go over there he'd, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. This would have just been a normal Saturday for everybody in Nazareth. Just typical Saturday, okay? So he, he opens the scroll. It's handed to him. He opens it up, and here's what he reads. And, and again, uh, uh, last Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday, Reed went through this whole section of Scripture as, uh, as a professor, kind of talking about what this all meant. I don't have time to do it this morning. This, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is the kingdom of God, by the way. This isn't social justice warrior. This isn't, you know, woke or whatever. Justice is at the heart of your heavenly father, right? So preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs> then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everybody in the synagogue are looking at him like, what? We're fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If he were here, he would have dropped the mic. <laughs> I can't. It's this thing. I can't. It, it, I, that's the problem with this. I can't just drop it and leave, right? That's what Jesus would have done. It's a mic drop moment. Hey, guess what? I just read a scripture that you read all the time, that you knew by heart, that you've grown up with. I just read it, and guess what? It's real now, okay? Because they're in their routine, they don't get it. Watch what happens. All spoke well of him. First of all, well, you shouldn't. If somebody makes that claim, they're either the Messiah or they're a false prophet. There's no wiggle room. All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. Listen to their routine. Isn't this Joe's son? Like, Joe, you there? The guy, the guy runs the carpenter shop, like on First Street, right? As Dr. Metcalf told us on Tuesday, Nazareth would have only been a few hundred people. Everybody knew everybody. So they're like, isn't this, isn't this Joe's son? Like, what, 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 what's going on? What, what is he talking about? They asked. Now watch what happens. Jesus knows that they're like, this is cool. Way to go, Jesus. Good job. Good job. And Jesus is like, no, nah, man. This is the beginning of the ministry, and I'm going to break you out of your routine. This isn't any given Sabbath and any given synagogue. Jesus is now launching his ministry. Watch what he says. This is so cool. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. He is now prophesying about what is going to happen when he's on the cross. So this is, he's talking about what's going to happen three uh, uh, years later. And then he also talks about what's going to happen the next day. Watch. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Just so we're clear, he hasn't gone to Capernaum yet and done 
healings or anything like that. We're going to see that in the next verse. He's telling them it's going to get real, real fast, okay? Truly, and then he just decimates them. This is not any given Sabbath, and it's not any given synagogue. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah did, was not sent to any of them. This is so inflammatory, you guys. I can't, I can't tell you. I was, you know, we were joking about the, the Raiders thing, but uh, this would be like um, me, me just talking about like how bad the Raiders are all the time. If you're a Raider fan, it would make you very upset. If you're a Republican and I started going off about George Bush or you're a Democrat, I start talking about Obama or what, whoever your hero is, Jesus says, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow uh, uh, in Zarephtha uh, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrene. Now listen, listen, the Syrian. So check this out. Do you remember what we just read a verse ago? Everyone spoke well of him. Isn't this Joe's son? Yeah, man, we, I like this guy. And then Jesus says, no, this is not your routine. Let me t say the first thing I want to say about you being called. Jesus is going to call you out of your routine. If you think you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you sprinkle him into your life like a little seasoning, <laughs> he wants the whole platter. <laughs> He's going to take it all. And so these, these poor people, they're sitting there. They've been going to the synagogue every single Saturday, every single Sabbath. They go to the synagogue, same thing, same thing. Oh, yeah, Jesus is there. Uh, Tom's there. Uh, Janine's there. Everybody's there. Yeah, 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 whatever. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes, you know what, guys? It's not going to be the same again ever. And this is where some of you are right now. You think Jesus is going to just add to your life? No, he wants your life. The, the, the process of following is come and see. Right? We see this with the disciples. Come and follow. And the third is come and die. And that's what he wants. And so Jesus upsets their routine. Watch. Uh, all the, I didn't put an A in there, but it's supposed to say all. All the people in, in the synagogue were furious. Wait a second. I thought you just said... It was Joseph's son. Like, everything was cool. Everyone was, had his eyes on him. They were furious. So I, I put this in yellow because I want you to keep in mind this word furious, okay? It's going to come up again. When they heard this, they got up, okay? This is Jesus they're talking about. Drove him out of the town. Now, listen, listen. All Jesus said was the truth. They read about Elijah and Elisha. See, truth sounds like intolerance when you can't tolerate the truth. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. All Jesus did was quote scripture. And they were like, oh, no, don't be talking about any of the Syrians. Don't be talking about the unclean, the pagans, the Gentiles. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't talk about the Democrats. Democrats have done nothing good ever. Republicans have never done anything good. Don't talk about... He's just doing facts, and they drive him out 
of the town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which he, the town was built in order to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> Jesus. By the way, this is just extra. Don't try to throw Jesus off a cliff, okay? It's not going to work. Uh, and, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Isn't that cool? Jesus is so cool. Went on his way. Like, he's just like, you guys, come on. All he did was tell the truth. Listen, listen, this is going to be the first part of your call. Jesus is going to start speaking truth into your life, and it's going to be really, really uncomfortable. Because he's going to call you out on the stuff that has been your routine all along. And you've been like, hey, everything's been cool. I'm, I'm managing my life really well. Everything's good. I'll sprinkle a little Jesus on there, and we're good. And Jesus says, no. It's going to be completely different. So watch what he does. He, went, he goes on his way, very next verse. Then he went down to Capernaum. What did he say a few verses before? You're going to say, hey, do, do in our town what, what we, you did in Capernaum. Well, now he's in Capernaum, and a, a town in Galilee. Ready? Here we go. Synagogues and Sabbaths. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. An impure spirit, and he cries out at the top of his voice, go away. Okay, this is a demon-possessed guy in the synagogue. Every, you're going to start to see throughout Luke, everywhere Jesus goes is a disruption. It's a disruption. Every area of my life I have given him control has been disrupted. That's the promise he has for you. And do you know why? Because he loves you very, very much, and he does not want you to settle. So there's this demon-possessed guy, this impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Watch what Jesus says. This is so sweet. This verse 35 is awesome. Be quiet, he says. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Now watch what this says. And Luke, as we'll see on the Tuesday night classes, what Reed does an, a brilliant job doing is explaining that Luke actually is an author. And so the words that he puts down are on purpose, all of them. It's not just like he's just writing or speaking into his phone or whatever. He's writing them on purpose. It would have been very, very, very expensive to write the book that Luke wrote. Okay? So every word counts. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. It's the second part of what I want to tell you. Jesus will uh, uh, upend your life. <laughs> there's no, there's, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. But he does it because he loves you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be free. And so we see this right when Jesus offends the people in the synagogue. The very next thing we see is that Jesus is in the process of restoration. Right? He has he, he anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To set the captive free. And that's what he's, that's what he's doing. It goes on and... Uh, um, uh, he's, he's healing everybody, and they're all like wanting him to stay, and he's just bringing all this restoration. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so they're like, can you stay? Can you stay? And he says this, listen. But he said to them, again, we're jumping uh, through verses, uh, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching. Where? 
in the synagogues, where their routine was, where they were, disruption, disruption. And he kept preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So he goes on, he goes on preaching, and we'll get to, um, in Matthew, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain, and we'll get to that next week. We'll be talking about that next week. But here, here is Jesus. Uh, he shows up, and uh, everybody is um, uh, listening to him. And here's where we catch him at the water's edge. When he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, this is another really cool thing about Luke. Uh, this isn't the first time Luke introduced Simon. Luke introduces Simon uh, a, a chapter before when he talks about uh, Simon's mother-in-law is, uh, is ill and Jesus heals her. And so if you're reading Luke for the first time and you don't know anything, Simon just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like he isn't even introduced. It's like Jesus goes to Simon's house. And the reason I find this uh, fascinating is because Luke knows the reader knows who Peter is, right? Like we said in the very first week of this series, this is historical fact, what we're reading in Luke. And so this is the second time we see Simon. And Simon's life is not going to be the same ever, ever, ever again. Jesus is an interrupter. He's a, uh, he, he, he jabs you. He bothers you. He, he gets into your life. He gets messy with you. He understands all of your history, all of your sin. He knows what you're thinking right now, and he's fine with it. Listen what happens. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Like, hey, man, can you just, like, like, get me away from these people and just kind of sit up here or like whatever it is. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he, sat, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. <laughs> There's going to come a time, and maybe you've experienced it already, I have no idea, where Jesus is going to go, it's time to take a risk. It's time to take a risk. And so, uh, um, and this is, this is where he's at with Peter right now. Now listen, Peter is a professional fisherman. Peter knows when to fish. He knows where to fish. He knows how to fish. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm taking over that. Thank you. I'm taking over that too. The thing you think you know. I'm taking over. Here's what he says. Put out in the deep water. Now watch this. This is awesome. This is, this is our response to Jesus. Peter nails it. Simon answered, Master, listen to that word master, okay? We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so. Now I'm going to ask you a really tough question. What is the Lord asking you to do that you are not doing? What are you doing <laughs> that he's asked you not to do? Because this is where the rubber meets the road, you guys, with our faith. If it doesn't disrupt us, there's something wrong. It should take over our whole life. 
He says, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. I don't trust this is going to work. I don't believe it's going to work. I think I know what I'm doing. I do this every day. It's my job. You, Jesus, stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. And Jesus says, it's all my lane. Everything's my lane. I own the freeway. Okay? I own the freeway. So watch what happens. This is so cool. So he... (laughs) I didn't, I didn't write, it's too many verses. So, so Peter does it, right? And they start pulling up the nets. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life, where you decide to obey Jesus. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's something big. And you begin to go, are you kidding me? I'll tell you a little quick story. Uh, when I first became the pastor here, so I had to leave my career uh, God had called me to become a pastor, um, and, uh, and so it's, it's like my first Easter here. Now, if you under, I don't know if you know this, but for the pastor, the Easter is your Super Bowl. It's kind of a big deal. And uh, so you have to plan the special thing, and you got to have special music and everything special, because Easter's special. Of course it is. It's very special. And uh, the Lord had called me into ministry, and I was terrible at it. I, I, was te- I had no training. I just... I just like walked in and I'm like, all of a sudden, like, I'm a pastor now. (laughs) Like I was in import export, but now I'm like a pastor. So um, I'm much better at it now. Anyway, so uh, it's Easter. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to preach the gospel, all this kind of thing. And I I, I share like I did last week where I had people pray a prayer of salvation. And I think we had like 20 people (laughs) come to Christ, which like in a sanctuary this size is a, is a big deal. That's how I felt like Peter feels, where you go to pull up the net and it's, it's full of fish. This is what happens. He pulls it up and everybody needs to help because there's so much fish. When Simon Peter, remember what the word I said, pay attention to what Jesus called, uh, what Peter called Jesus. What was that word? Master. Remember that? Watch. Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees. Remember, Jesus is sitting down teaching. Go away from me, Lord. Master, that Greek word is just like boss, like sir, like Lord is. is a, it's like Yahweh. It's, this is it. This is the Messiah. Peter, at this point for me, comes to Jesus. This is where he understands what's going on. It says, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the call. And let me tell you something. He is calling you to the same kingdom. He's calling you to the same vision. Watch what he says to Peter. And this is the same thing he's saying to you and I. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. It's good. From now on, you will fish for people. In some translations, it says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So they pulled up their boats to shore. Watch. Left what? That's the call of Jesus in your life, to leave everything. It's not a Jesus plus. 
It's not my career and, my marriage and, my neighborhood and, my church and Jesus. It's Jesus, number one through 100. They left everything. This was their whole life. And they're like, I'm good. Now watch what happens. I want to make sure I'm, I don't go over time because we have tacos. I don't know if I told you that. Okay, yeah. So I'm like, hey, let's get the show on the road. Preach the, perform for me, monkey. Get it done. Okay. I'm just, I'm just playing around. Okay. You probably want to go to a church where the pastor's a little more serious. Okay, watch what happens here. While Jesus, so now we, we fast forward a little bit. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along that was covered with leprosy. You guys, I can't tell you what this would have been like. Like if, I, I don't, I can't, I can't come up with something that is this troubling. A person with leprosy had to explain, yell out, unclean, unclean. His whole identity is this disease. He couldn't be around anyone. He couldn't be touched by anyone. They, he was unclean. And he comes up. He's covered. He was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. No, 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 no. Don't do that, Jesus. You then become unclean. But guess what? We're talking about Jesus. He doesn't. He says, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus is a disruptor. He goes beyond the rules, but he still was there. This is why when we go back to the synagogue and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing, He's talking about fulfilling the law. That's the purpose of the book of Luke, showing that Jesus came to fulfill the law, that there is a new kingdom. Repent. Change your mind. Change the way you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's a call that is uncomfortable, and it's going to cost you everything to follow him. And so he's clean. So what Luke is trying to show him, he has the ability to cast out demons. In other words, he is in control of the spiritual realm. He has the ability to heal. He is in control of the physical realm. And he has the ability to call you and I. Here's what he says to him. Jesus ordered him, hey, don't tell anyone. Come on. What's the, what do you think? What would you do? You'd tell everybody, right? Don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded them for your cleansing. So then we get into the paralytic story. I'm not going to go into it because we already know it. Jesus is teaching. Somebody cuts a hole in the roof. Paralytic dude comes down. And then I, I like to think that they were just like eye level. Like, hey man, how's it going? You know, and he's just like looking at him like, do you want to be healed? Right? And, and then the, this is where the Pharisees come in. Because there's a whole other section. There's the people with the routine, right? The, it's just every day. And Jesus wants to disrupt your routine. There's people who reject Jesus. And he, he's like, let's go one-on-one, -on -one, right? And there's the people who are receptive to Jesus. We saw uh, Peter, and we'll see one more in just a little bit. Jesus says to them, this is the other thing that he has power over. He knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus uh, knew what they were thinking. So he says... 
he's going to heal this guy, right? He says, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, you can't do that. Jesus has the power over sin and death. So he has the power of the spiritual realm, the power of the physical realm, and the power over sin and death. And so Jesus knows what he's thinking and says, why, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Okay, that would have freaked me out if I was thinking something. And then Jesus says, why are you thinking that? I'd be like, oh boy, this is scary. Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Rhetorical question. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven than get up and walk. He says, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He says to the guy, get up and walk, take your pallet and go. And he's healed. It's amazing. All right, final, final story. This is amazing. We talked about Jesus healing a leper, right, who is unclean. He's a disruptor. He makes everybody angry in the synagogue saying like, hey, man, you guys... You guys, God cares about the Gentile. God cares about everybody, right? They, they want to throw him off a cliff. Jesus goes out and he says, after this, Jesus went and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. We've talked about this before. Insert whoever you hate the most in your life, whatever people group it is. I don't know what it is. It could be anybody political. It could be a, a sports team. Just picture them in your mind. That's Levi, the tax collector. By the name of Levi, sitting in his tax booth, he's, he's there, just like Peter was in his boat. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up. Everything. He leaves everything. And he follows him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged uh, to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Because that's what Jesus does. He eats and drinks with you and I in the middle of our sin. He comes into the middle of our mess and he disrupts and he says, I need you to follow me. I need you to follow me. He says this, and this is the kingdom of God. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Remember how we started out in the synagogue? I'm here to preach the gospel to the poor, to those who are troubled, to those who are in it. As the worship band comes, comes up, we end with this. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbaths and synagogues this is what God does. He takes our routine. You might have come here just thinking, it's a Sunday morning, it's church, this is what I do on Sunday. And the Lord wants to do an amazing work in your life. We sang, Holy Spirit, like, like we love your presence, right? Make us more aware of your presence. What we're going to do is, um, uh, they'll, they'll play another song, and we have uh, the altars open, and uh, for some of you, you might want to come forward and pray. I, I like to do that uh, every week. Uh, when I'm done preaching, I go down and I just kneel to kind of reset uh, for my uh, week, just kind of set my week. But I, I, I want you to ask the Lord this question. Have I given up everything? Is there something I'm hanging on to? Is there a relationship that I know I'm not supposed to be involved in? Is there a pattern in my life that Jesus wants to disrupt? 
Is there a thought process that's unhealthy that he wants to heal? Is there a part of my life where I have not given it all over and you know and I know exactly what it is? And it's like, man, I don't want to do it. I don't want to put that net down. <laughs> it's not going to work. I know about fishing. It doesn't work that way. And Jesus is like, come on, man. Let's go. Let's go. He's a disruptor. He's a disruptor. And he loves you. Amen. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. And uh, so you can come and kneel and pray. Uh, there'll be someone praying at the cross if you'd like to go up and get prayer for that. But he deserves our all. He deserves everything. Lord Jesus, thank you for disrupting. Thank you for messing up the synagogue, the Sabbath, for breaking the rules, and going to town to town to proclaim the kingdom of God is here. Repent for bringing wholeness, restoration, and freedom. Lord God, I pray freedom over this congregation, whether they're watching online or they're here in this sanctuary, Lord God, I pray freedom upon the things that are holding them back, holding them down. I pray strength, Lord God, I pray boldness to leave it all behind, Lord, follow you. Thank you for that. You're worth it, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his wisdom and his joy and his strength and in his love in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.